0: Of which we believe that is shown in our lives. We made a commitment last week. The vast majority of you said, I'll make a commitment that I'll begin every single day with a prayer and I'll say this to Jesus I'll say, Jesus, if you want to use me today, I'm available and I'll be faithful. This morning, we're going to recommit to that. We're going to tell Jesus again. "If You want to use me today? I'll be available and I'll be faithful to you. And we're going to make a commitment to do that over the next seven days and beyond, because that's our mission. That's our purpose. That's why God has you here. There are no accidents, no mistakes. God's not surprised you showed up. He has you here because of your willingness to make that kind of commitment. We begin today with a study of the gospel of John, and we do that intentionally. We do that on purpose. We do that uh, with a goal in mind. As we study the gospel of John, we're going to grow in our commitment to be available to Jesus We're going to grow in our commitment to make ourselves available for him to use. We study the gospel of John. We're going to see that he'll use this study. He'll use this teaching. He'll use our our receiving this truth to better equip us to make ourselves available for him to use. That will fulfill our purpose. That will fulfill our calling. That will fulfill our mission. We chose the Gospel of John on purpose. Why did we choose the Gospel of John? Why did we sense that what God wanted us to do was preach and teach through the Gospel of John? There's a myriad of reasons. I mentioned a couple of them to you this morning. First, in the Gospel of John, we get get to see Jesus. It's, It's like a snapshot of Jesus the gospel of John's different than Matthew Mark and Luke it's a different perspective there are things that John has included in his gospel that aren't included in Matthew Mark and Luke there are things that Matthew Mark and Luke include in their Gospels it's in all three Gospels that we don't see in the gospel of John the gospel of John is a is a snapshot for us of Jesus we're gonna study this gospel in order that we might know him better That we can see him with greater clarity. These first 18 verses that we look at this morning has to do with the beginning. The beginning really isn't a great way to describe that because Jesus has no beginning. He has always been. We'll continue our study and we'll see that last half of that first chapter all the way through chapter 12. We see Jesus with people. All kinds of people. Some hated him. Some loved him. We see him with people and how he interacts with people who were simply curious about him. We see him interact with people who simply wanted something from him. We see him with religious people. We see him with political figures. We see him with rich people and poor people and healthy people and sick people. In the Gospel of John, we're going to get a snapshot of Jesus with these people and, and how He involves Himself in their life and how He loves them and how He ministers to them and how He cares for them. And as we watch Him in dealing with these people, we begin to understand who Jesus is. We, we get greater clarity in this man, this God-man that we call Jesus that we worship. He Himself begins to describe Himself to us. He tells us more about Himself. In the Gospel of John, He calls Himself the bread of life. He calls Himself the light of the world. He calls Himself the good shepherd and the true vine. He says, I'm the way. He says that He's truth. And He says that He's life. And so much more we'll see as he describes himself to us and models that for us. We see him loving and we see him caring and we see him modeling and we see him healing. You know what else we'll see when we look at Jesus? We'll see his relationship with his heavenly father. That'll be valuable to us. Because it's in His relationship with His Heavenly Father that He gets His direction and His guidance. It's in His relationship with His Heavenly Father and the time that He spends with Him and the intimacy with Him and the interaction with His Heavenly Father that He's empowered. That He's strengthened. That He gets insight. We're going to get to know Jesus better. But I think that As we go on through the Gospel of John, we'll see that in the 13th through the 17th chapter, we'll see Jesus in a very difficult time in his life and we'll begin to see how he deals with pain and how he deals with rejection and how he deals with heartache and how he involves himself even then in the lives of those who are closest to him and he draws them close to himself. It's almost a picture of how the church ought to operate. As these, these close followers of Jesus gather around him and offer him encouragement and offer him company and, and he offers them encouragement and he continues to teach them in this difficult, difficult time just as we should do with one another. Chapter 18 and 19, well that's the cross. Maybe we'll learn more about Jesus when we study the cross than at any other time. And chapters 20 and 21, well that's the resurrection. That's the victory. We see Jesus clearly in that. And we see how he continues to love and how he continues to teach and how he continues to care for people, involve himself in other people's lives. We're going to get a snapshot of Jesus. And by the way, he's all you need. Do you want to know him better? Here's a second reason and I've prayed fervently about this these last couple of months. I pray that through our study of the Gospel of John that we will grow in our faith. That we would grow in our faith. One of the things unique to the Gospel of John is that it really has a focus on believing. 98 times in the Gospel of John, it uses the word believe or believing. Only 14 times in Matthew, less than that in Mark. It's a focus. It's a it's a lesson. It's foundational in this gospel. John writes, the very purpose of this gospel is this. Here's what he writes, John, chapter 20, verses 30 and 31. He says, many of the signs that Jesus did in the presence of the disciples, I haven't included in this gospel. But the ones that I have included in the gospel, I've included so that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that through believing, you might have life in his name. That's good stuff. This is The purpose is for you to believe. And so I've said, Lord, if that's the purpose of this book, then grow us in our faith. And 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 I sensed that God began to say, "Okay, I'm gonna I want to grow you in your faith." And there's some specific things that I uh, ways that I want to grow you in your faith. And here here was one of those ways that, that that in those things that we have a hard time believing that our faith would seem more possible. That all of us have those areas where where we hear it and we think to ourselves, "I know that that's truth, but man, I want to tell you, I'm having a hard time believing that." Let me give you an example. Jesus is all you need. Now, there are many who are going, look, I know he's important, but all I need? I'm having a hard time believing that. So I'm praying that God grows us in our faith, that we would see that what Jesus says is reality, that that, that our, pay, our faith would become more possible. Jesus, Jesus said, um, give and it will be given to you. Pressed down, shaken together, overflowing, will men give to you. Now I know there's a whole bunch of people here who don't really believe that. I know you say you would. Everybody believe that? Yeah. So I believe that, 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 that as God grows our faith, that it's going to be a journey. I don't think that's something that turns on and turns off. Either you believe or you don't. I believe that, that there's a, an aspect of our faith that we grow in. And so what we have a difficult time believing now, I'm praying that God would grow us in our faith so that we could embrace His truth and believe His truth and apply His truth to our lives. As we study Jesus in the Gospel of John, and we see how personal he is with people, I pray that our faith might become more personal. That we would understand that that it's an intimate relationship with him, that he knows us. He knows our needs. He knows our strengths. He knows our weakness. He knows what makes us happy. He knows what makes us cry. He's a very, very personal God, a personal savior, a personal Lord. And, w- and that our faith would grow to include that kind of intimacy, that kind of relationship with Him, that personal relationship. I pray that our faith would grow so that we would begin to believe in miracles, the supernatural, the unexplainable. God still does miracles in 2015. I'm having a hard time believing that. And I'm praying that God grows our faith so that we'll embrace that and we'll believe that. So that our faith makes things possible. That it's personal. That it becomes a powerful faith. That accomplishes the unexplainable and the supernatural. And I'm praying that our faith would grow so that We would utilize, listen, we would utilize our faith, we would practice our faith, we would put our faith into practice more on a daily basis, or let's put it this way, that it would become more practical to us. That our faith is not something that we take off of the shelf on Sunday morning, or when we're going to Bible study, or when we have a problem and we need some faith but that it would be an everyday thing, an extremely practical thing. It would be something that that, that was a, a part of our identity. And I'm praying that God would grow us in our faith so that we would become more passionate about our faith. It would be what drives us. It would be what motivates us. It would be what moves us, our faith. That's what I'm about. My faith, I believe God wants to do that. He wants to grow our faith so that things seem more possible. Our faith is personal. Our faith is powerful. Our faith is practical. Our faith is our passion. It's what we're about. Listen to me. We have a calling on our lives. We have a mission. We have a purpose. We want to make God famous in our community. We want to love God, love neighbors, lead others. We want to impact our community for Christ. We want to be available to God so that he might use us on a daily basis. Each day we give ourselves to God. We surrender to God. God, I'm yours today. If you want to use me today, I'm available. That's our mission. That's our purpose. And here's the point. We will only be as effective in what God has called us to We will only be as effective in our mission, in our ministry, in our purpose. That effectiveness will be in direct proportion to the extent of our belief. What we truly believe. Little belief, little effectiveness. Great belief, great effectiveness. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. With faith, all things are possible. What will we believe? Let's get to it. John chapter 1. Let me read the first three verses. John chapter 1, verse three verses. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. The Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. Our introduction to God. Jesus is God. Now that's something that we can't just skim past. That's something that's extremely important to our everyday life. That's something that's extremely practical to us. It's important that we understand that Jesus is God. Seven different people in the Gospel of John proclaim that Jesus is God. John the Baptist, who will study in more in depth next week. Nathaniel and Peter, a blind man that was healed. And Martha, Thomas, doubting Thomas, proclaimed that Jesus is God. And Jesus himself proclaimed to be God. We must know and believe that Jesus is God. It's important enough that John gives us evidence. He says this to begin. That from the beginning Jesus existed. That Jesus' existence didn't start 2,000 years ago in a manger in Bethlehem. But that he has always been. That he is not a created being. He's just always been. I said that to Will this past week. He said, I don't understand that. That doesn't make a bit of sense to me. And I said, I don't understand it either. I just know that no one created God the Father, and no one created God the Son, Jesus, and no one created God the Spirit. They've just always been. Why? Because they're God. John points this out to us as if it's something that we need to grasp a hold of and understand that our Savior, the one we worship, He is God. He goes on and he tells us that he's the creator of all things, that nothing that's been created wasn't created by him. If it was created, he created it. If it hasn't been created, if it hasn't been created, he didn't create it. He's creator God. He tells us that Jesus is 100 percent man and 100 percent God, that He was always God. That even as a baby, he was 100% God. That in his human experience, it's not that he grew and became like God. He was God even as a baby. I'm glad that our God loved us so much that he left heaven's glory and he came to earth so that we could see what God is like. That God came in flesh and bone and blood in humanness. It helps me in my, in my relating to Him. It helps me in my relationship to Him. I know that not everybody is like this, but I think about Jesus. I can see Him. I can envision Him. And I think to myself, there is God and there is my Lord and there is my Master. Man, that's somebody I can be close to. That's somebody I can worship. That's somebody I can follow. That's somebody I can get to know. He's 100% man, but He's 100% God. That's important to us because after all, this isn't about religion, it's about a relationship, a relationship with God. Who is God? Look at Jesus. Watch Jesus, learn about Jesus, follow Jesus. That's our answer to the question, who is God? I'm glad that he's 100% God. I'm glad that he's 100% man. I'm glad that he's the Creator. Because if He's the Creator, He has all things under control. Nothing's too big for Him. I can trust Him. Because He's God, I can share Him with others with great confidence. He is people's greatest need. He is the answer that they're looking for. Oh, that we would believe that. He is the solution to the problem that they face. Jesus is. The question, I guess, is do you believe that? God's called us to impact this community for his name's sake, God's called us to make him famous in this community. This is an important truth to us because it's telling us and it's showing us that that what we have to offer people is their greatest need. That what we have to offer people we can have confidence in. In other words, it works. We need to go out and offer the greatest gift in the world to people. There's an unlimited supply of it. And I'm praying that God would help us in our belief that Jesus is all we need. If we believe that and we believe that he is, he is God's response, that He's God's answer, that He's God's solution to everything that people that we interact with every single day, if we're convinced that He's all they need, we'll share them with people. See, we have this, we, we, we have this feeling that um, some of us, that money is all we need. If I had the money, that problem would go away. As a matter of fact, if we had an unlimited supply of money, we might see someone in need, and we would say to them, I'm going to take care of that for you. Don't have to worry about it. But We're not taking care of it for them. The money that we provide is taken care of for them. Well, we have something more valuable than that. Regardless of what the need is, we can present them Jesus. It's not us taking care of it, it's Jesus taking care of it. But we don't believe that He's all we need. Sometimes I think to myself, you know, Pastor Jim, He's all I need. I mean, if He can't take care of it, it can't be taken care of. And I have to remind myself, no, my hope's not in Jim. My hope's in Jesus. My solution's not there. My solution's in Jesus. It's Jesus that is all that I need. Folks, until we believe that, we won't share Him with other people. We have what they need. An unlimited supply. Oh God, grow us in our belief that Jesus is all that we need. Why is it Jesus that all we, that, that's all we need? Because Jesus is life. Jesus is life. Who wants life? Jesus is life. Look at verses 4 and 5. Some of you are going to have a hard time believing this too. In Him was life. And Jesus was life. And the Word was life. And God is life. And the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Jesus says this, I came that you might have life. And I know that He's talking about eternal life, a relationship with Him forever and ever and ever. But He is also talking about our earthly experience because what He says is, I came that you might have life, that it might be full, that it might be meaningful, that it might be abundant. The thief comes to rob and to steal, but I came to give you life. John says in his Gospel in the 20th chapter, I'm I'm writing these things to you so that you will believe and that in believing you will have life. In Jesus is life. We get this life from the light of the world. You know that the the, the physical life that that we have, we need, right? The physical light that we have, we need for life, right? We need the light of Jesus to have life. Abundant life, full life, meaningful life. It's it's an incredible analogy. It's a familiar analogy. You've probably heard the analogy before. That, that, That the moon is not a source of light, the sun is the source of light. The light that we enjoy at nighttime that comes from the moon is a reflection of the sun. The sun reflects its light off the moon and we enjoy that light. It's the same thing in our relationship with God. The light is the sun. S-O-N. The sun. And it is to reflect off of us. And we are to be the light in this world. And the darkness that is in this world cannot overcome the light. It never will overcome the light. We are to reflect the light of Jesus to this world. Hey, look, that's good for us because that's our mission. That's our purpose. That's our calling. That's why we're here. To every day, all the time, moment by moment, be available to be a reflection of light. Why? Because in that light is life. In that light is eternal life. So we need to go out and offer the greatest gift that anybody could possibly receive. We have an unlimited supply of it. In that gift is life. It comes from the light. When people are exposed to the light, there's generally four kinds of reactions. One of those reactions is to become a witness of the light. That's you and me. That's why we're here. We were given an example in this chapter, verses 6 and 8. It says this, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. John was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. Put your name in there. There was a man sent from God. His name was Paul. There was a man sent from God. His name was Mark. There was a woman sent from God. Her name was Liz. Put your name there. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light. That's our calling in life. One of the responses when we encounter the light is to become a witness of the light. We, we believe. We become a reflection of His light. It's our calling. It's our purpose, it's our mission, it's our ministry. We should be intentional about that, not accidental about reflecting Jesus and who he is and what he wants to do in people's lives. When we become a reflection of Jesus' life, of Jesus' light, we're going to encounter some people, listen, they don't want any part of that. As a matter of fact, that's mentioned right here in scripture in verse nine. The true light which enlightens everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Praise the Lord. Children of God who were born not of blood or the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. So we, 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 we're a reflection of God's light, and we'll encounter some people who don't recognize that light. This will be part of your experience. When you say, Lord, I'm available if you want to use me, there will be people that you encounter that don't want to have anything to do with the light. You know why? Because they're blind. They can't see, but we can't give up on those people. They might yell at you. They might tell you to leave them alone. And, And what I would suggest you do is leave them alone. But pray fervently for them. Because the Holy Spirit can open eyes. Because God can help us to see. And so we encounter those kind of people and we lift them up to prayer. We're studying this Gospel of John from the perspective of what God has called us to. And He has called us to involve ourselves in the lives of other people. And there's going to be some of those people who don't want anything to do with you, and they don't want anything to do with God, and they don't want anything to do with religion. That's okay. Don't be surprised. It's right there in the book. But don't quit. We pray for them. There's going to be those who refuse to receive the light. They understand the light. They recognize the light. You'll try to minister to them, and they'll refuse to receive the light. You know these kind of people. They're the, they put everything on the scale, the positives and the negatives. You know, if I, if I become a Christian, if I, if I get involved with this Jesus guy, I'm going to have to give that up. Man, I don't want to give that up. I'm going to have to start doing that. Lord knows I don't want to do that. And so they get their list, and they look at it, and they go, no, I don't think so, not today. Don't give up on them either. Pray for them. Pray that God would draw them to himself. The Bible says no one comes to the Father unless the Father draws them. That it's not our eloquence. That it's not the words that we use. It's not our compassion. It's the Holy Spirit of God. It's God himself who calls people to himself. And so we pray. God, I'm praying according to your will. You said it's not my will that any should perish, but all should come to a relationship with you. And so I'm praying according to your will. I pray for Mary. I pray for Sue. I pray for Timothy. I pray, you know, I pray. I'm praying for them. Draw them to yourself. And then listen to this good news that it says in verses 12 and 13. Those who receive the light become God's children. You will minister to some. You'll make yourself available and God will use you and you'll share with them the light. They'll receive the light and they'll experience life. I think that this is what it's all about for us. There are some who will gladly receive and when they do, they become children of the Almighty God. Listen to me. That's why I can say to you with great confidence, Jesus is all I need. I mean, let's get really, really practical. Why do you say that? Because God is my Father. He's my provider. He's my protector. He's my guide. He involves Himself in my life. He loves me unconditionally. He's molding and shaping me into the person that He wants me to be. He never leaves me alone. There's nothing I can do to make Him love me less. He's my Father. He holds all power in His hands. He owns the the cattle on a thousand hill. He has all authority. He asks no one's permission. I'm His Son. That's why Jesus is all that I need. When I receive the light and I experience the life, I'm adopted into the family of God. Folks, this is the gift that God has called us to go out there and to offer to people. That's why that's our mission. That's why that's our purpose. He can heal families. He can heal finances. He can teach us how to be better parents. He can meet physical needs. There's nothing He can't do. He's all that we need. There's no problem that's too big for Him. And when we receive the light, He becomes our Father. And as our Father, He desires to do that ministry in our lives. That doesn't mean that there's there's an easy road. It means that He's our Father. That He loves us. That He involves Himself in our lives. That He is our protection and He is our provider. I guess the question becomes, do you believe that? Really? Enough to share it with other people. Not only is Jesus God. Not only is He life. But the Bible says that He's Emmanuel. That He is God with us. Verse 14. The Word, Jesus, became flesh and dwelt among us. We have seen His glory. Glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus became flesh. What an expression of God's love for us. He would leave heaven's glory and take on the likeness of a man and dwell here among us. He came to us. He came to rescue us. Jesus said, I have come to seek and to save those who are lost in human flesh. He shows us, He models for us how to lead other people to Him. We're going to watch Him. We're going to see Him. How He does that. That's what He's called us to do. He came and He showed us how. And then He commissioned us go and make disciples and then he equips us then he empowers us then he leads us and guides us that's what emmanuel means to me i tell you as a church family god is sending you out god wants to to use you to involve yourself in the lives of other people so that you can offer them the greatest gift of all but it's a little bit of a misnomer because it's not that so much that He's sending you out, it's that He's going with you. That's what Emmanuel means. And so as, as you make yourself available and you tell God that you, you, you want to be used by Him, He goes with you, He empowers you, He's already begun to work in the lives of the people that you're going to minister to. Did you know this? He'll even give you the words to say. That's why it's no excuse that, oh, Dale, I, just, I, don't, I don't know the Bible well enough right now. No, He's going with you. I know who goes before me. I know who stands behind. The God of angel armies is always at my side. That's Emmanuel. The Bible says that He's full of grace and truth. I love these verses 16 through 18. From His fullness, we have all received grace upon grace. The law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. He ends this portion by saying, no one's ever seen God, the only God, who is at the Father's side, but Jesus has made Him known to us. First, it says to us that He he lavishes upon us grace upon grace. Grace. Here's a, a definition. Ray Stedman, great, great preacher, says this. Grace is what God does within you, without you. In other words, it's all of what God is doing in you. Grace upon grace is God's daily supply. It's his empowerment. It's his forgiveness. It's his guidance. It's his direction. He'll give you everything you need to do what he's called you to do. Everything. He's God with us. He's Emmanuel. There's no need to be afraid. Someone told me this past week, and he's absolutely right. The thing that keeps us from sharing Christ boldly with people's fear. Well, if we're afraid, it's because we don't believe that He's with us. That He's all powerful. That He has all authority. That's His His grace. And then that last verse tells us that Jesus explains God. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen God. Hey, listen. Everybody's curious about God. I I don't really believe in atheists. I know there are people who say they're atheists. I don't believe for a second that people don't think that there's not a God. And people want to know all about God. What does God think about this? What's God think about that? What's God think about me? Where does God stand on this issue? Is God a Democrat? Well, you know what? He hasn't left us without answers. You want to know about God? Take a real close look at Jesus. And you'll begin to understand what political party He's a part of. You'll begin to understand what He thinks about this issue. You'll begin to understand what His plans are for the future. You'll begin to understand what He thinks about you. As a matter of fact, Jesus reveals God to us because Jesus is God in human flesh. And so as we go out and we begin to to involve ourselves in other people's lives, we share with them Jesus because they have a curiosity about God. Jesus Provides those answers. Our mission, our purpose. Love God, love our neighbors, lead others. Make Jesus famous in our community. Impact our community for Christ. That's what we're called to. Look, here's the point of lesson number one in the Gospel of John. What we are called to share in our mission, in our calling, in our purpose, what we are called to share with other people is the greatest gift they could possibly receive and it is all that they need. That's the point of the first, of lesson number one. Do you believe that God Help us in our unbelief. When we fully believe that, I won't be able to hold you back. You won't be able to wait to share that gift with somebody. Jesus is God. And in him is life. And he is with us as we share that gift Let me invite you to stand. Last week we made a commitment. Every day I'm going to pray. God, if you want to use me today, I'm available. And I'll be faithful. You know what I want to ask you to do this week? Recommit to that. This time we're recommitting to it with the knowledge that what he's asked us to share is the greatest gift that can possibly be bestowed. We're going to ask him to help us to believe that that is true. We're going to recommit God every day some point during that day, I'm going to say to you, if you want to use me today, I'm available. I recognize and acknowledge that there are some people in this room who have been exposed to the light that gives life, but you've never received the light. You're not here by accident. God loves you. God wants to draw you to himself. God wants to have an intimate and real and personal relationship with you. Your sin, we've all sinned, Your sin has to be dealt with. Jesus says, I've got that taken care of. If you'll believe in me, then you'll begin to understand and you'll learn that when I died on that cross, I paid the penalty for your sin. And I'm not going to just cover it up. I'm going to take it away. When that sin is dealt with, then we are free to run into his arms. We are free to have a relationship with him. We are free to know the light. We are free to experience the life We are free to be adopted into His family so that we can call God our Father. and We know that He loves us and He protects us and He provides us and He leads us and He guides us. Everything that a perfect Father would do, that's available to us. You needn't leave here today without receiving the light that gives life. If you want to talk to somebody about that, it's my favorite thing to talk about. I'd love to talk with you about that. There'll be others here that would talk with you about that. Maybe you're here this morning and you said to yourself, you know what, I made a commitment to that last week, Pastor Dale, I did. And I hadn't thought about it since I left here. I want to recommit to it. This time, maybe, maybe you'd want to come and you'd just want to say, Jesus, uh, I'm going to recommit to that. By the way, Jesus welcomes you with open arms, if that's what you want to tell him. He's a God of second chances. As a matter of fact, I think he, he loves giving second chances. You're welcome to come and pray if you like. Lord Jesus, the prayer is simple that you would have your will and your way in every heart and life. We need not guess what that will is. We just ask you for strength and boldness to be obedient, strength and boldness to follow, strength and boldness to say yes, strength and boldness to surrender, strength and boldness to give ourselves wholly to You. Have Your will and way in every heart and life, I pray in Jesus' name. Guys, if y'all would lead us.